0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Ear Read This. My name's Ash. I'm Adam. And today we are going to be talking about the Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens. And we're very lucky to be joined over the phone by Stephen Jarvis. Hello, Stephen. Hello there. Hello. Uh, Stephen is a journalist and author whose first novel, Death and Mr Pickwick, we shall be discussing in the second part of today's Pickwick Bonanza. Uh, It tells the story of Robert Seymour, the original illustrator of the Pickwick Papers, who committed suicide less than a month after the first instalment of the novel was published. Now, in the process of writing your novel, you've become a Pickwick expert, um, but when did you first discover the book, and can you recall your initial response to it?
1: Well, yes. Um, It was actually an accident. Um, I happened to be listening to uh, Desert Island Discs on Radio 4, Uh, And as you probably know, the guest has to choose eight records and a book to take to a desert island. And the guest on this occasion was Griff Rhys-Jones. And uh, he chose the Pickwick Papers as his book. And he said it was so full of life. And there was something about that phrase that resonated with me. So I decided to get Pickwick out of the library. I I mean, I didn't know much about Dickens at all. I think I would read Oliver Twist, and that was about it. And I started going through the preface. And I saw one line about the suicide of the illustrator Seymour, and I was just instantly fascinated. I didn't yeah. know why he killed himself. Yeah. And the fact nothing was said made it all the more fascinating. So that's really how this all started.
0: Because it is literally a footnote in, uh, in most editions of Pickwick. That's right, yeah. Of Pickwick, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, it was, it was only when I read Death Mr. Pickwick that I even got any of the backstory at all. I'd, I'd read the Pickwick papers. Me and my dad used to listen to them on audiobook when we were traveling, and I knew nothing about any of the backstories.
1: Yeah, I mean, hardly anyone knows about it. I mean, Dickens experts know about it, of course. Mm. But Seymour isn't well known among, among the general public. Uh, and I was just amazed. Why, why didn't it say something more about this guy? So I just knew there was something here that had to be investigated. I mean, I, I don't like this real buzz inside. That, that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that set me off.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, we're gonna um, we're gonna find out a lot more about Robert Seymour in the uh, the second of today's episodes uh, about your book. Um, we think of the Pickwick Papers now as a single novel, but how would it have been purchased in 1836?
1: Well, it was really like um, you know modern day part work. Okay. You buy you don't buy the whole novel. You buy it in illustrated serial parts once a month. And each part would cost a shilling, and then when you would collected all the parts, you would put them together, take them to a bookbinder, and you'd have a book.
2: Paper, so basically, a paper, paper chapter, almost. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, sort of. I mean, it was slightly more than a chapter, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it was. It was. I mean, another way of looking at it is, it was kind of like a, a, a modern-day soap opera. It yeah. was a continuing serial, you know. And yeah. comparisons have been made between the Pickwick Papers and Coronation Street, and so on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, in uh, in Death and Mister Pickwick, one character says that complains that um, the print shops are not what they were, and uh, bemoans the fact that people are reading more and more, which seems very funny uh, when compared to to today. Why why was that the case? Why was the print shops on the on the decline?
1: Well, it, it wasn't so much the uh, the decline; it was that there had been a change in public morality mm. um, in the late eighteenth century and early nineteenth century. The print uh, you know, the one sale in print shops were really scurrilous things. I mean, sort of anything went. You could show people vomiting, defecating, there was violence, leaves hacked off, all sorts of things. Yeah. But then about 1820, there was a change in public morality and things began to get toned down. And the print shops, you know, they, weren't, you know, they didn't show these kind of really rough prints that they had before. Uh-huh. And the Pickwick Papers... Really, is a response to this change in public morality. It's a much milder sort of humour than people were used to, but also, as I say, people were reading more, and there wasn't public education, but people were teaching themselves
0: how to read. Yeah. So yeah.
1: This was the kind of environment in which the Pickwick Papers happened.
0: So, was this um, standard procedure for the publication of, of novels, or or, or or was this this something quite quite different? Because I know Walter Scott published serially as well, and also with illustrations. It did happen, but not to the extent, you uh, know, not the grand extent with Pickwick.
1: Uh, mm. I mean, Pickwick, nothing has hit people like the Pickwick as a literary phenomenon. Oh. You've got, um, you, one of the first things I should say is that uh, the illustrations are incredibly important. Pickwick was the most profusely illustrated novel that had appeared up to that point in history. So that was one thing that that made it very different. Serial publications, yes, there had been things before, but often they were reprints uh, of old novels which had been cut up. Mm. Uh, So it's this idea of a novel which was a, a fresh piece of work in illustrated serial parts and illustrated a lot that made Pickwick really stand out.
0: Yeah. Which makes sense, because if it was old, old novels, you'd, you'd already be familiar with the characters, whereas this was this was completely new characters. That, that's right, yes. So the um, the cartoons that had come before um, uh, by people like Gil Ray, they, they'd featured politicians but not really characters before, is that right? That's right. Uh,
1: you know, the, the only people who were really known were royalty politicians, and one or two people who had become like, the subjects of some public scandal, mm-hmm. you know so for instance, there might be someone selling quack medicines, and his nut face would become known for a, a short period of time. But the key point was there weren 't really many uh, sort of characters as, as such, mm-hmm. and mr Pickwick, the, the key character in the Pickwick Papers, was really the first visual character attached to a novel, the first you, you know, so that makes him very
0: special yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to say is, ask rather is on that uh, was it 31st of March, 1836 was the first: That's correct. The first, yeah. first first um, number emerges. What, what, what was literally on the cover in terms of names and, uh, and an introduction or well, on, the,
1: on the cover, it had a, a picture of Mr. Pickwick uh, in a punt, and you can actually see where he's located because there's a, a bridge in the background which is, which is Putney Bridge. Uh, and actually, there was, a, there was a group of people at the time called uh, Putney Puntites, who were not really serious sportsmen. They might take a, a punt out to the Thames, and then they would just, you know, eat and drink on the, on the punt. But, so the pit, there's a picture of Mr. Pickwick in one of these punts fishing, but yeah. he's not to be taken seriously as a sportsman. And it has on the cover, it has bobs as the as the so-called editor. Yeah. And Boz is Dickens's pseudonym, and then it's got with illustrations by Robert
0: Seymour. Mm. So why was um, Dickens using a, a pseudonym at this point?
1: Well, I mean, you know, certain people did use pseudonyms. I mean in the literary world. I mean I was reading the other day as a poet called Letitia Landon and she always wrote under a pseudonym. I think she called herself L-E-L. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, so it was—it was a sort of a, a dumb thing around that time. Uh, I mean, the, the precise origin of uh, Dickens's um, pseudonym—he uh, claims that it was uh, the pet name of a, of a brother of his, and that he got this uh, this name from uh, there was a character called Moses in the novel *The Vicar of Wakefield*, and he claims that. Uh, this was mispronounced as Boses, mm. and then he shortened it to Boz. To Boz. You know, for, for various reasons, I don't entirely believe that, but that's how he claims that he, that he got the name mm. Boz, and he, he used it for a while.
0: Yeah.
2: A um, question I had was um, what was the public's immediate response to this first serial edition coming out? Was there this sort of hype? from the very goal, or did it take a little while to build up?
1: It didn't take off uh, straight away at all. And I think part of the reason for that is, is Dickens. Um, he wrote uh, the opening paragraph, and I think it's an absolutely terrible opening paragraph. <laughs> and if I were to write a book with that as the opener and I sent it off to a publisher, I would expect it to be put in the slush pile. <laughs> so I think, you know, this is the first thing you see. and um, it's, it's not very good. Uh-huh. I understand why he did it, He's using a lot of very long, fancy vocabulary, and he's, he's really taking the mickey out of people who did this sort of thing mm-hmm. at the time. But it's a very big risk to do that sort of thing right at the start yeah. of a book, and yeah. I wouldn't have done it. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons. And also, that you know, the introduction to the second part was, was a bit strange as well. So I, I think it's, it's, it's really his, his fault it didn't take on to begin with. And also, the other thing I think you should say is that When you get uh, something that goes viral, often they start off slowly. You know, if there's Mm -hmm. something a bit different, and this was different because, as I say, there'd never been such an illustrated book before, um, you know, then first of all, there's a few people who try it out. You know, the people who are willing to try it, take a risk on something. And then there might be a few more people, and then they tell others and so on, and then it suddenly becomes viral. So you don't necessarily expect something to take off, you know, from the get go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, right, right from the start, though. What was the what was the topic of satire that was happening in the first? The topic of satire that was happening in the first. Well, issue? There, were, there were several. There were several things going on. Um, I mean, one of the things um, there
1: were the, around about the time there was this thing called the phenomenon of the Cockney sportsman, and mm. these were people who pretended to be like, um, you know, country gentlemen going out shooting and, and mm-hmm. so on, or, or engaging in fox hunting. But in reality, they were not country gentlemen. They were, they were just very, very pretentious.
3: Okay. So that was
1: one thing that was being satirised. Another thing, another thing that was being satirised was um, the so-called um, uh, society for the diffusion of useful knowledge. There was this idea of useful knowledge, which meant really sort of collecting facts yeah. Not necessarily with understanding, but just, just things that are factually, you know, might get you like, you know, um, what sort of fish living in a particular area? What's the, what sort of ruins might you find in a certain location? And there were people who were putting out stuff about this. And Mr. Pickwick's mission in the book is a bit like the mission of people who are searching uh, for facts like this. Uh, it's described as a scientific mission, but in fact, in the, death of, in, in the Pickwick papers, Mr. Pickwick spends most of his time getting drunk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, those are the sort of things that, it, that it's satirising. It, it, there are other kind of contemporary things that, that are going on. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there's uh, various parliamentary procedures that are satirised. Um, but, um, you know, certainly this idea of a sort of an amateur investigator who takes off himself off? This is one of the key things. you know, they were poking fun at people who wanted to acquire facts and, and so-called useful knowledge.
0: So so does it start off then um, as 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 caricature rather than character? Would you say with Pickwick and that, his 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 uh, his fellow members of the, his club? I suppose. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think probably the best way of thinking about it is that it's it's
1: satirising people who are pretentious in one way or another. Yeah. I mean, the people who accompany um, Mr. Mr. Pickwick on his travels, there's a poet who doesn't write a line of poetry. <laughs> there's a sportsman who really is no good at sport at all. And there's this old duffer who thinks he's Casanova, yeah. you know. So it, it, it's satirising people who pretend to be things they are
0: not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, at what point then did it take off? Because it became uh, incredibly popular, uh, eventually selling 40,000 copies a month?
1: Well, it, it, you know, it, it became massive. It exploded. It, it took off uh, about the fourth, in fact, the fourth episode, fourth serial part, Yeah. when um, a character called Sam Weller was introduced. Now, there may have been things, you know, the phenomenon might have already started before Sam Weller, but people often points of this is the moment when it really took off and Sam Weller was really the first working class hero
3: mm.
1: um, he was this man of the street he was a boot black and uh, you know he was, he was very quick witted uh, and uh, you know he just struck a chord with people mm. and so you then got this joining of Mr. Pickwick and Sam Weller and they became a partnership and one of the great partnerships of all time it's like Holmes and Watson or Batman mm. and Robin or Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. Yeah, that was really what what happened to Pickwick.
0: And there's another. Um, well, there's a few Don Quixote parallels, but but one one that jumped out was that Sam Weller got so popular that someone wrote a rival version with him as the main character. Is that right? <laughs> well, I don't know
1: whether that quite
0: happened, but there oh, okay. certainly
1: were things like. There were books of Sam Weller quotations, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, things things like that. Uh, he became very popular indeed, at least for a while. But actually, over the long term, um, if you look at things like uh, indications of, say, memorabilia produced, there isn't that much Sam memorabilia
0: p- produced. Yeah. Whereas there is loads of Mr. Pickwick. Is that so Casimiro inform- was dead by then and. Could you say that again, please? Sorry, is that because um, is that because Seymour was dead by then? And
1: no, I think it's I think it's the fact that um, the, the sort of things that Sam says and he comes up with these witticisms and yes, they're they're fine at the time, but I think eventually people got a little bit bored with them. Mm. And there is something bigger about Mister Pickwick than mere phrases. And so you know you can find loads and loads of memorabilia, as I said, showing Mister Pickwick but not that much by comparison mm. showing Sam Weller. So that tends to suggest to me that over the longer run, Mr. Pickwick was the more popular mm. character. But
2: really also, you should take them as, as a pair. Um, the, so, Something I wanted to go back to just quickly, though, was that, um, that number, 40,000 copies a month, at the time, was there anything even coming close to that level of popularity? Not what sort really, of what... no. And
1: you had to understand that this was just the, the first, kind of, um, you know, this was the first serial issue. Mm-hmm. After that, the, the publishers then put it out in book form, you know, and I mean, to give you an idea of just how uh, the, the popularity at the time, uh, they were printing so many copies that the, 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 the plates showing the illustrations actually wore out. <laughs> they couldn't produce them fast enough, you know. Uh-huh. So they had to get them, them redone, the pictures in, in, in the book. Uh, but, incredible. I mean, this was just the, the start of the phenomenon.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We, we, no one knows just how many Pickwick were sold. But mm. people started comparing it to the sales of the Bible and the prayer book. <laughs>
3: wow. You
1: know, wow. Uh, it was, and, and this, it wasn't a short-term theme. It was, it was the most popular novel in the world for nearly a century. It was only really about 1930 that uh, Pickwick uh, went into decline up to this point. Mr. Pickwick was the most famous literary character
0: ever created. Hmm. So not only that, but easily um, the most popular Dickens novel.
1: At that time, yes. Yeah. And in fact, not only the most popular, often considered to be his masterpiece. I mean, when Dickens died in 1870, uh, the Times obituary uh, said that we think Pickwick is his masterpiece. <laughs> now, that's not the case nowadays. Uh, Pickwick is not that popular. Uh, A lot of people regard it as a lesser work. I I don't. Mm. I mean, nowadays it's Oliver Twist and uh, Christmas Carol, maybe uh, Great Expectations, which are the big Dickens books or Bleak House. Mm. And not many people mention Pickwick, but that is a recent phenomenon. For nearly a century, it was Pickwick that was seen as the key Dickens book.
0: So I want to ha- try and figure out why why he, he remains popular, at least to, as to us or um, Pickwick fans today. Um, in *Death and Mister Pickwick*, there is the line: uh, "Pickwick surprises just as a person does," and and later, most books are just books, but not Pickwick. What makes Pickwick more like a universe than a novel? Well, uh,
1: Pickwick is is really vast. Uh, well, it's got. So many characters in it, and so many situations, and so many writing styles. Um, This is why I think it was regarded as Dickens' masterpiece for so many years. It had something that none of Dickens' other books had. Mm. I mean, he certainly became a better writer after Pickwick in a technical sense, Mm. but I don't think he produced anything that had this vastness that Pickwick has. You know So I say it is like, like a universe,
3: yeah. and
1: you, you always see new things in it, which you've never seen before, um, and people have treated it in, in a different way from, from other books. I mean, for instance, um, you know, there's a lot of drinking in Pickwick, and people would <laughs> compile lists of the drinks that Mr. Pickwick would have. They would follow in Mr. Pickwick's footsteps and go to the places that he he went to. Wow.
0: wow.
3: And this
1: thing about, you know, it it surprises you. It's also a very strange book. It's very hard to actually say what sort of book it is. Superficially, it's a comedy. But then you get sort of these horrible stories thrown in. You get like a story about a dying clown. And, in fact, that's the story in the Pitwick Papers about the dying clown is still very much with us today because it's actually the root of all the sort of scary pheno- uh, clown phenomenon. Mm. You know, you can see things like Stephen King's um, clown in it so starting in, in Death of Mr. Pickwick, or sorry, in the Pitwick Papers, or Batman's the, the Joker yeah. starting in the Pickwick Papers. Because uh, that particular story subverted the idea of what a clown should be.
0: Mm. So is this is this kind of uh, surprises in tone partly due to how spontaneous the form was? It's not; it's, it wasn't conceived of as a as a novel entire.
1: Well, uh, you see, the thing is that um, Dickens did serial works after uh, the Pickwick Papers. Yeah. Uh, almost all of his works are published in serial form. So I don't think you can say it's the format such that makes it like that. I think the key thing was that at the start of the Pitwick Papers, the mission of Mr. Pitwick is set down. Mm. And he's, uh, it says something like, um, he's, he, he will attempt to co- collect local stories and legends. Mm. So, of course, all sorts of things can be plugged in to, to this category of local stories and legends. Yeah. So I think that's the thing that uh, leads to Pitwick having this potential to surprise you and take all sorts of strange paths.
2: Mm. Well, the... um. The thing that got us onto Pickwick originally was um, we got very interested in the Tour of the Hebrides by Boswell and Johnson, mm-hmm. this sort of non-fiction style picturesque esque yep. trip around uh, Scotland with illustration and with lists of the vast quantity of food and drink that they consumed. But yep. there is, there is definitely parallel. There is definitely some, oh, some Johnson in Pickwick, isn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt, no doubt about that. And uh, you know, some have even suggested this is this is why uh, Dickens chose the name Boz, because it's, it's it's a uh-huh. bit like Boswell. So I have seen that suggested. And in fact, there are even bits in um, uh, Boswell's Life of Johnson that uh, that Dickens lifts out and puts in Pickwick. There's a story about a man who shoots himself because the doctor says he can't have buttered crumpets yeah. anymore. He puts that into Pickwick. Yeah. So, yeah, there are definitely parallels. I mean, even the way, you know, the, the, the physical nature of the characters. I mean, uh, Dr. Johnson was a, was a big man. Yep. Mm. He, wa- he wasn't very elegant. He didn't have good eyesight. So this is all a bit like uh, Mr. Pickwick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, both feature in *Death* and *Mr. Pickwick* too, so that that that, I, that was a that was a first clue. Um, you open with a, a a series of quotes. One is from Boswell, and it's about um, the pleasure in in imagining a secret history and everything of consequence. That's yeah. that's almost a Pickwickian commandment, isn't mm. it? The sort of going. Well, right.
1: yes. I mean, I, I have a series of, of quotes um, at the start of, of uh, *Death* and *Mr. Pickwick*. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the point is that, uh, I mean, this is going back to what we said earlier, people have heard of the Pickwick Papers, but they don't know the story behind it. They don't know the secret history. Mm. And in my view, uh, the Pickwick Papers has the greatest backstory of any work of fiction. Uh, I've never come across anything like it, and I wanted to tell this story. Mm.
0: And you wouldn't, uh, appearances are a bit deceptive, because it is a very, for the most, I mean, apart from... Uh, passages featuring dying clowns and the like. It's a very joyous book, com- uh, often comedy, as, as you've said, full of uh, sunshine. Um, sorry to continue to quote, from, <laughs> quote your own book at you, but in uh, Death and Mr. Pickwick, someone describes the potential of Pickwick as um, this character could be a portal to the marvellous. Why, why was Pickwick such a, a marvellous idea?
1: Well, um, I think, first of all, uh, you have to mention his gullibility. I mean, if you have a very gullible man, if you tell him anything, he'll believe it. So this means that you can have someone uh, telling Mr. Pickwick that a dog, a, a dog can read, and he'll, he'll make a note of it and believe it. So this means that you can tell him all sorts of marvellous stories, uh, you know, Baron Munchausen-type stories, and he, he will believe it. So in that sense, uh, it, he, he was a portal to to the marvelous. Yeah. Uh, you know. I'm, but I mean, I think I would also say, in what sense uh, is Mr. Pickwick marvelous? I would have to go back to the the, the visual aspects of this. As I said, you have to see him as really the first illustrated, uh, the first character in an illustrated sense who appears in a novel, mm. uh, and this is incredibly important because you're giving people if you like, a sense of the physical person, something which goes beyond the words on a page. This, I think, is really crucial in making Mr. Pickwick seem marvellous.
0: Yeah. Um, and
1: it's also, the, it's also the case that it's, it's, there's something very simple about the image of Mr. Pickwick. I mean, essentially, he's all circled. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's like a big, fat circle himself. He's got a round, circular, bald head. He wears circular glasses. You know, so there's something very simple and appealing about the, the visual impact of, of Mister Pickwick.
2: Hmm. In, in, in terms of a, in sort of a basic character design, he is he's a softer character design. He's accessible. He, you you look at him and you see a, a friendly character as opposed to an antagonist. Uh,
1: absolutely, yeah. I mean, he isn't always friendly.
2: He does have a temper. Yes,
1: uh, which uh, which bubbles up from time to time. I mean, another strange thing about Mister Pickwick is that you don't really know much about his past.
3: Hmm. He,
1: he really only exists in the pages of, of the Pickwick Papers. Mm. Uh, so there is something mysterious about him as, as well, uh, and I find that very interesting.
0: Yeah. What do you think it is about this sort of restless uh, recording that the club do that these in these serial kind of picaresque adventures of unknown uh, destination what, what, what's so appealing about that kind of cataloguing everything?
1: Well, I think part of the appeal is that you go on a journey yourself. Uh, I mean, you've got to realise that, that in the 19th century, you know, this is before people had cars. I mean, you know, so Pickwick was used uh, as a means of travel. And I think that is that's one of the key insights into, into Pickwick's effect. But I mean, even nowadays, if, if I read the paper papers, I mean, I start at page one and then you get through 800 pages. The last page, you feel, my gosh, I've come a long way. Yeah. So, you know, you have you have joined in their travel. You've seen all the, the little details of the adventures and it feels like life. Mm. Um, this, I think, is very important because most novels have plots and life doesn't really have plots you know, yeah. Pickwick is much more about what life really is like, you know, where it, it's chaotic and you might go off in one direction rather than another. Mm. You know, life doesn't tie everything up with a neat bow. Yes. And I think that's part of the, of the, the magic of Pickwick.
0: It confounds every creative writing principle I've ever heard.
1: Well, <laughs> well, that's what makes it so special. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, another thing, I, I sometimes compare Pickwick to the TV series Big Brother. I mean, Big big Brother doesn't have a plot. It just meanders along, and then things happen, and there's a lot of alcohol involved. (laughs) It's concerned with observation, and to me, this is rather like the Pickwick Papers. No. I mean, when I say um, you know the the Pickwick Papers reminds me of Big Brother, I'm sure some Dickens scholars are absolutely appalled. <laughs> but I think there, there's a certain amount of truth in
0: that. No, I'm, like I'm the, sure you're used to annoying Dickens scholars, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. No,
2: the, the, the way the way I saw it was that if you have a if you if you have pl- uh, some some plots can have telegraphs, something's about to happen. You can feel the plot beats coming in a book or in a, a serialised thing like this that doesn't have those beats, you're always going to be caught on the back foot in terms of what's going to surprise you. So you're always going to be discovering at the same time rather than expecting.
1: Well, that, that that's a, a very good point, yeah. I mean, you do not know where it will go next.
2: And neither does you know, he. <laughs> and,
1: and when I wrote Death and Mr. Blitwick, I wanted a similar sort of thing f- for, for my book as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. it reminds me of the, the my favourite chapter heading, which is um, too full of adventure to be briefly described. I think <laughs> 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 There's that, the whole book is, is is rather like that. Yeah. Um, well,
1: well, yeah. I, I mean, it's it. The thing is also because it, it can go anywhere. Um, the, sort of the human mind tries to make some kind of Sense of it, that you know, to to put it in, or you know, into some kind of category, or to put it into a pattern. And this is actually very difficult, if not impossible. But it's one of the reasons why you read Pickwick again to see if you can somehow see some order, yeah, you know, yeah. amongst all this chaos. And I think this is, this is one of the reasons why you you've got people who are obsessed
0: with Pickwick, yeah,
1: you know, who would read it again and again and again.
0: There's something with without that sense of you know being in a traditional narrative and and therefore expecting an ending there's something something a bit deathless about these because th- these are adventures that could potentially go on forever between uh pickwick and oh, his and
1: absolutely. his absolutely they they could be continued i think i mean i think it was gk Chesterton who, who said that uh, you know he, he got to the end of of pickwick and he thought uh, you know there, there should be a few more pages but yeah. now that they, they've got lost somewhere uh that's very true. It uh, uh you know, I when I wrote Death of Mr Pitwick, I wanted it to parallel the Pitwick papers and you know I I faced this this, this question too. I mean, how how do I actually end it? I do have an end. Mm. Uh but um, yeah, it potentially it could go on go on forever. Keep going. I mean, Death of, Death of Mr. is a long novel, as you know, but I have actually had some fans who have said to me that they wish it could be longer.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not, yeah, because well, it carries that torch across from Pickwick. I, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- they're almost like, well, I mean, together they're almost like a shared sort of internet of of books in that, that they have like stories in common and just these little channels that you keep falling down. Or, or, or... well,
1: yeah, I mean, definitely, Pickwick is self-contained. You can read it without having read the Pickwick Papers. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you read the Pickwick Papers, you will see connections uh, mm. that, 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 are, that I've set up. Um, you know, but, you know, I've had people say that they've read Pickwick after reading my book. Um, you know, so hopefully my book will push people towards reading Pickwick It's one of those
2: things where you would have a... You can have two entirely different experiences. If you'd never read Pickwick before and then you read Death of Mr. Pickwick, you'd have one. But you'd get a sort of a, a fuller, more rounded experience if you'd read both in either order.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people have said similar things to me.
0: Well, I said it feels deathless uh, whilst reading Pickwick papers, but it was obviously not behind the scenes. Um, after Robert Seymour's suicide, how did the fortunes of the Pickwick papers fare?
1: Well, you know, it, it might have been cancelled. Oh. Uh, you know, they uh, they tried to to find someone to replace Seymour. I mean, this was the this was the initial uh, response, and uh, they found uh, this artist called uh, Robert Buff, and they treated him very badly. I mean, I'm talking about the publishers, Chap- Chapman and Hall, yeah, uh, because uh, they they wanted him to to etch pictures for the book. Uh, and he'd never done etching before. And it, it's a complicated business. You know, and, when, and in order to, to write Death of I had to find out what was involved with etching. But, he, you know, he, he did his best. He, he produced a couple of pictures. And then they fired him. And they appointed someone else. Mm, and yes. he was he was left with a mental scar. I mean he he thought, uh, you know, I, he said, I never want Pickwick mentioned in my house again. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened. They they So they then got another artist uh, in, a man called Hablo Brown. And when he joined, it was the time when Sam Weller appeared. And it was then that Pickwick really came together and you started to get this massive phenomenon happening and it went viral.
0: Mm. So, um, and also Charles Dickens announced... Uh, Robert Seymour's death? Did he not in the? Well, he you know he, in lieu of it a... had
1: it had been in the papers. You know it had been, but he he wrote a, a like a a piece that was inserted in, in, in the Pickwick Papers. And he wasn't strictly truthful there. Um, he spoke about how uh, the the pictures that appeared in Pickwick were the were the last that Robert Seymour did, hmm. and he was working on them up to the hour when he died. And this is really all lies. And it was he probably did this to you know to attract ghouls basically yeah. who were interested in the idea of buying an artist's last picture. Yeah, but it it, it wasn't true. Um, so that's really when Dickens started distorting the truth about female. But we can talk about that later.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that in uh, in Death and Mister Pickwick. I w- just wanted to talk about how um, once the fortunes of the Pickwick papers changed. There's, there's a line in the novel somewhere about Pickwick not liking indwa, inward laughers as they bring nothing into the world. Um, after the arrival of Sam Weller, did, did something signal a kind of growing sense of social responsibility uh, from well, Dickens? Sort of
1: yes and no. Okay. Uh, not immediately after Sam Weller. Uh, you do get some, I mean, there's a point in the book where uh, Mr. Pickwick goes to prison. And, uh, you know, so he sees the horrors of, of, of being in prison. But at the same time, he shuts himself away in, in his own cell. You know, he doesn't fully engage with these. Mm. You can, but nonetheless, you can see it as, as like uh, the beginning of, of Dickens' social concern. Because there is an obvious critique, if you like, of a system of sending people to prison for debt. Mm. But uh, but you know once Mister Pickwick uh, is out of prison, it's though he's forgotten the experience, and you know he he's, he does gets into boozing again. <laughs> so you, you can see bits and pieces of the social Dickens, but uh, I you know it's it's not all there is. You know, put it like that.
0: Yeah. Um, also, like like Don Quixote, Pickwick becomes famous while he's still being written. Um, could you give us, a, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it before, but I, I, I want to get on to talking about some of the wackier bits of memorabilia. Could you, could you um, give us a sense of some of those and, and when they started to come about?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> things really started happening, uh, you know, in the very early days of Pickwick. You, you know, you got Pickwick cigars, you got <laughs> Pickwick clothing. But, you know, things, you know, things just grew from there. I mean, there are literally hundreds of Pickwick products. You know, you get uh, Pickwick Matches, uh, Pickwick Iodine. Today, I saw some <laughs> Pickwick Pepper. And those are just household products. You can go up the social scale. I mean, there was even a Pickwick Rolls-Royce, you know. <laughs> wow. uh, and you could actually even go higher than that. Because entire towns came into existence called pitwick. I mean, there are several examples of that in America. And you can even go beyond that because there is an archipelago uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the Antarctic <laughs> where the islands are named after characters from the pitwick papers.
3: Wow. Uh,
1: this is a massive... Massive phenomenon.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, it's, it, you could say, uh, like, um, it's Harry Potter ten times over and then some. Yeah. Uh, people had no conception of this. Uh, when I did talks uh, about uh, the Pickwick papers, I say the only thing you can compare Pickwick to is the Beatles. But Pickwick was bigger than the Beatles, <laughs> much bigger, you know? So that should give you a little sense. And every day I look on eBay, to see what pickwick memorabilia is out and almost every day I see something I've never seen before you know there, there wow. are hundreds of items
0: and how did um dickens think of pickwick as his uh, career progressed because I I found a quote where he said something like if I were to live to 100 years I w- and write three books in each of those years I'd nothing would I I'd be prouder of nothing more than pickwick because that was made in its own way
1: well I think at the beginning, yes, he said. I mean, that's quite an early quote. Yeah, he doesn't uh, As I recall, he he said that round about the time when Pickwick was was ending. You know, the, the the serial run of it. But later in life, uh, he he wasn't so fond of, of Pickwick. Mm. And I tend to think that this has something to do with the fact that uh, you know he was he was a bit guilty about the situation, the the real story behind Pickwick. Uh, so he changed his views about it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you had asked him towards the end of his life what was his masterpiece, he wouldn't have said Pickwick. No. Certainly not.
0: So, Stephen, can you just give us a, uh, a brief rundown through the received uh, version of how Pickwick was uh, initially composed and by who?
1: Sure. Um, well, um, Dickens
0: basically said
1: that um, one day um, a representative of the publisher, Chapman Hall, came along to see him. And he said, uh, you know, we've got this, this artist, Robert Seymour, who's, who's got an idea, uh, um, a story. He's going to do the pictures. We want someone to write the text. And uh, Dickens said, well, okay, I'll, I'll do that, except I want to swap the roles around. Instead of me writing uh, my text to Seymour's pictures, I want him to draw his pictures according to my text. Mm. So in other words, Dickens said that he swapped things around that's, that's, that he was in charge, not Seymour. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a lie.
0: And then after um, the uh, publication run finishes, at what point is he first accused of intellectual theft? I thought we could maybe leave it on a... On a...
1: Well, actually, very early. Uh, in oh, the really? Sense that, in the sense that uh, things appeared in publications of the time saying that, you know, is that uh, Robert Seymour played more of a role than, than Dickens said. So the first sort of in, uh, uh, first inklings that the, the, the story that, that we're told about Pitwick wasn't true came out quite early,
3: yeah. you know,
1: I think as early as 1838, there was, a, there was a thing in the Examiner magazine saying that Dickens was actually following Seymour's lead, mm. uh, and then, you know, the, the things continued, and um, it, it culminated with, uh, you know, Seymour's wife writing a pamphlet, trying, putting her side of what had happened, so... You know it, it was a, it, it bothered, it, throughout the rest of his life, I suspect people told him that you know Seymour had more of a role than you said. Yeah. And an interesting thing is that I sometimes think that Dickens knew that one day someone like me would come along, <laughs> because there is this letter he, he wrote to his son, and he talks about the Seymour affair. And he said uh, I, something like, um, I, have, I have a feeling this could come back to haunt our family, perhaps years after my death. <laughs> so, you know, I think he kind of knew that I was coming one day. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we're going to tantalisingly leave it there and um, pick up r- right from those uh, early accusations with the uh, next episode, which in which we'll, um, we'll talk more about death of Mr Pickwick. But, Stephen, thank you so much for... Um, sharing everything about uh, Pickwick papers and um, yeah from us uh, we will say a quick goodbye now and check back on the next one it's been
1: great fun really enjoyed it so we'll talk again soon
0: see you in the next one
1: (laughs) bye bye then (laughs)